Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Old Lion Media presents the history of being black. Hello, 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 and what up, though? Welcome to the History of Being Black podcast. I am Jay Hall, and this right here is a special occasion because we are recording here, live in Washington, D.C., at the Howard versus Hampton football game. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit, okay. And I am here with a living legend, Messiah Coach Tyler. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You're doing wonderful? Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. Well, thank you for coming. How are you doing today? Well, it's a Howard day. It is, right? It is, right? You could, I got to admit, as I was getting here, I was starting to feel it when I saw the band outside just a little bit. Do you get that feeling too? Every fall, you know, you look forward to these outdoor sports before I go inside. (laughs) And um, that band does it for me. The cheerleaders screaming and the the young people moving around. It's it's still exciting. Yeah, yeah. When I was doing my research, one thing I kept, seeing that you were saying in your speeches was how much the young people give you energy. Why is that? Well, you know, some people uh, work because they love the job. Uh, Some people go to the job because they love the people. Uh, And I'm a people person. So I really gravitate to that interaction. I tell people all the time, I just retired uh, from working and I'm bored already because I can't find anybody (laughs) engaged and old lady like myself. But uh, I tell you this, talking and dealing with my former athletes because they've stayed in my life and I've tried to stay in a positive vein in theirs. Um, I wanted to make it clear that, you know, when you go to a historically black school like a Howard University, we don't get to go away at the end of the day. <laughs> when the game is over, we got to still be there. That's you know? true. And that's why we got a lot of the athletes we got because the parents said, well, they know what being black is all about. And black is not a four-year kind of obligation. It's not. Let's get into your background a little bit, because I know you as being a legendary coach. But what I didn't know was that you're originally from Pittsburgh before you moved to D.C.? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, so you say pop? I say pop. I'm from Detroit. That's why I did did, That's my personal thing. It took years to get get that pop out of the way. And on occasion when I go back to Pennsylvania, I'm not in Pittsburgh as much. Mm -hmm. But in Pennsylvania, I'll go up to Philly and see some friends. Let's go get a pop. (laughs) We have soda up in Philly. I said, we have soda in D.C., but pop is good. When you moved to D.C., besides the pop part, what else was a culture shock for you? There's two different worlds. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Pittsburgh's educational system was so much better. Okay. Well, I was writing papers in the fifth grade, and I didn't write those papers again until the 10th grade. Mm. Um, it was a little scary, so I kind of laid back. You know, when you think you're ahead of the game, you, you let the game catch up. Uh, but it did have its adverse effect. You know, you when it came time to do the SAT, I was more afraid of not passing it mm. than anything else. I, I did have some success, but I wonder where I'd have been had I stayed in that same regimented system. Uh, we had to swim. Every school up there virtually had a pool. You get here, and let somebody throw you in the water, you don't have to get in. Yeah, I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling me out, Coach. Right. It's totally, totally fine. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but, um... It was a change. It was a change, really. Where did the love of sport come in? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, right. I didn't love sports in Pittsburgh. Um, we played baseball with a milk carton. 
to kind of get in school. I remember. And a broomstick. Um, so we didn't have a bat in the ball because if you hit the ball over the fence, it went to sewer. Um, but I was at the assembly uh, in my ninth year uh, of school, and they had an orientation where the women's basketball team came out. They had on a one-piece jumper. The head coach, legendary Wanda Oates, who's coached every sport in the district, men and women, and mm -hmm. won. Um, I just wanted one of those outfits. I, I didn't know what the outfit went to. I didn't know if it went to baseball, basketball, football. I just wanted to wear one of those. And they had their diplomas and the little, oh, I wanted one of those bands. So uh, to get one, I went out to trial for basketball. And uh, Coach O said, uh, have you ever played? I said, no, ma'am. She said, well, what are you doing in here? I need to wear one of those uniforms. She said, well, those are the basketball team's uniforms. And I got to be on the basketball team. <laughs> and I, she put me out. I come back. She put me out. I come back. I heard you say in a speech that the game back then was about who can get up and down the court pass. And a lot of times it was playing four on six. Was that why it was like, I don't want to say easier, but were you a natural athlete when it came to speed? I, I was a great hand-eye coordinated child. Okay. I could hit a milk carton in the center field. A milk carton with no milk in. Now, I don't think people understand about that milk no, carton. Because no, 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 no. we were still doing it when I was a kid. We were still playing football well, with the milk carton. this. When I finished high school, I played on a semi-professional softball team. That's how good I have become. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. I, I just loved the game once I learned how to play it. And my boyfriend then was a player basketball napkin, so I had a, a natural tutor involved in that. Um, but I grew to love the sport of basketball more so than the game. I want to know, you know, I had people on my team couldn't jump. I could jump a little bit. Um, I could run pretty good. I wanted to be smarter than the people we played. And and that's what we did. We talked basketball now. And I think that's what led me to coach. It was not the formidable piece, the piece that drove me to coaching, was mm. the poor coaching house. Mm. It was off. Mm. And every time the team would win, he'd go and talk about driving Metro bus for Metro. <laughs> and I told him, nobody cares you drive for Metro. I was a referee. I saw that. I was a referee. Because my high school coach said broke people need a job. <laughs> so we did CYO on Sunday, and we collected like $40 for an eight-hour trip. That was like $400. So you were playing ball in high school first? I played. The first time I played basketball was at Blue High in Southeast Washington. Okay. And then you went to, you went roll, or you played college ball for about a year, right? I played a year. I went to the wrong school for the wrong reason. Uh, you know, I, I remember the last thing the coach said to me, and I've never mentioned the school, the coach's name. Went, I was dribbling down the court, and it was seven seconds left. She said, pass the ball. I ain't passing this ball. You Kobe? Kobe. <laughs> well, it didn't go in. Oh. And I didn't go in the second half. <laughs> so I kind of saw where that, that uh, coaching thing took took mm -hmm. power away from me. But um, I left school because at Thanksgiving, uh, everybody went home, and I didn't have money to go home. So um, it, it really frightened me that I was in a city, nobody was there. But what really was daunting was that nobody even cared I didn't have anywhere to go. Mm. So when I came back, I never went back. And then I became um, the Southeast shyster. You know, I, was, I went to, uh, and when I returned, Federal City College was opening. And I didn't want to go back to college. I had a horrible experience. But they was giving away money. Okay. You take three hours, you, you know, <laughs> we'll pay for the course and you get 300. Oh. So I took nine hours. Okay. 
nine hours without working? Oh my God, that's the lottery. Is that around the time when you was working at the Howard Hospital? No, that was that was way, way before okay. I worked at Howard Hospital. Uh, because going to Federal City got me in the x-ray school Ooh. as a dare. I went to x-ray school as a dare. I took three courses at Federal City, biology, A, B, and C. And I had a teacher, the instructor was uh, uh, M. Ware, M. Scott, and then two B and Fs. End up being the same person. Mm. She said, oh, you're really cool, aren't you? You're a slick girl. <laughs> you think you can do all three of these? I said, I know I can. And I passed all three. Where did that confidence come from, Coach? Being the youngest of five. Mm. Um, having a self-made comedian in my family, my brother Aisha's father. Um, having sisters who were really tremendous students uh, and have all graduated multiple times from college. I just couldn't afford to just be average. Now, I wasn't going to be um, that individual who only could do one thing. I had to do a lot. So I became a jack of all trades. You know, I, I, I could BS those I needed to BS. I, I could sue those that need soothing. Okay. And I think all of those became skills that I used in coaching. How did the return to sports happen? I was refereeing. I held you rush this game. And uh, they were up by four, and he had about their playing tough defense. Remember now, when it last quarter, last minute, or nuts, then they found the girl. They up by four. They found the girl. She goes to the line, shoot two. I'm standing by the bench because that's my return line. And he said, Didn't you see that foul? I said, No, but I saw that dumb move you made. <laughs> <laughs> the little girl went down, fouled again. Drop kicked the basketball that I was playing and kicked it up in the seat. I said, I'm going to give you a technical for kicking that ball when it rained, you're going on. Oh, wow. They ended up losing the game. I told him, you know, you should not be coaching these girls. And so I took his job the next year. You I took his job the next year? for the women's basketball coaching job and took his job. What was it about you that they met you? You know, I, I know you had the confidence, but what did they see in you to, to give you the opportunity to do that? I'm not sure because Leo Miles was the athletic director at that time. And, you know, Leo was a kind of closed kind of guy as far as communication. Mm -hmm. um, he just said, well, um, you think you can do the job? I said, I know I can do the job. I said, you know, all I need is a chance because I'm an x-ray tech. Mind you, I'm working at Howard Hospital. I'm coming up in the evening. I'm a, I'm a part-time, uh, uh, I'm not even a part-time, I'm a volunteer assistant coach, you know, but I'm not getting paid to coach. But when I went to Howard, they also allowed me to come, but they gave me a, a you know, a little stipend, it appears, to, to coach college basketball. And that ended up being the root of the evil that persisted uh, during my coaching career. I almost forgot, but what made you go back to school? Because you had that feeling when you left that other school. What made you go back? Well, that's interesting that you asked that. I, mm -hmm. I thought you had, had slipped that point. Uh, but here's what happened. I was at Howard. I wanted to do 2A, which was quality assurance and radiation measurements. We had just signed a contract with Kodak. Uh, so all the x-ray film was Kodak. They offered to the hospital, we will train your QA person for free, but they must have a college degree. And this, the courses don't start until June of, of uh, two years from now. So I talked to the physicist. She said, but you don't have a college degree. And you only went to college really one year and you took a couple of classes. I'll have a degree by the time school. Okay. 
She said, what? I said, yes. So I, I applied, got accepted, used remission of tuition to Howard. I may be the only college coach you know, only went to college three years. I graduated from Howard University, enrolled in 1970, graduated in 1980. Cool Okay. I didn't even know there was a word called. Words called I, still, I still struggle with it. Two of them. <laughs> I thought it was one word for a long time. But um, I went to school because I wanted to enhance my, my x-rays because I was a person who wanted to know why too much. That's what I was told. You want to know why too much? No, I want to know how did we get here? And, and that brings us to where we are now. You know, so much of what we know in sports carries over into life. Mm -hmm. Those same verses, those same acceptances, those same um, inspirational uh, meetings and huddles that you have with your team. Um, I didn't know if I could ever get quality athletes an hour because the admission was tight and we were historically black schools. And I just could not bring myself to believe I could only recruit average people. Yeah. You know, I, I remember telling John Thompson, he said, well, you know, coach, uh, they have good kids out there. I said, John, I don't need good kids. I need basketball players. <laughs> I'll settle on trying to make them good kids. He said, is that right? I said, it seemed to work for you. True. True. I remember Alan Oxen popping his car in Middle Georgia Avenue. <laughs> so he was running to me down. He didn't get on the parking lot. He popped it in the middle. And I, yeah, I'm familiar with Georgia Avenue, so I know, yeah. So I'm just saying, I I think it was a, a, a blessing my family uh, gave me by not always settling for my immediate answer. You know, uh, I was famous for if I didn't know words, I wanted to say big words. I, I'd say big words, they weren't really words. <laughs> and my sister said, stop making those words up. I used this word, pronoxious. I said, well, that was pronoxious. She said, and what is that? Don't worry about it, if that was. I wouldn't have checked you. <laughs> I, I would have I left it as it's also yeah, too. So it's, 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 been a, it's been a great life uh, coaching young people, you know, getting inside their heart and inside their head and taking young people who are not average, because average, Girls do not go to college on basketball scholarship. And you gotta have a course on that. You know, I don't recruit kids who don't know there's two versions of okay mm. and how they spin. Mm. You don't have basket weaving it out. Now you can come in a little less academically prowessed. I'm sure that's not a word either. <laughs> but I think that's how job to improve their prowess as students. My job is to make sure Howard doesn't cheat them and make sure they don't cheat Howard. That's good that you said that because we're here in Audi Stadium, which this stadium, I think, got built maybe like five years ago. It's a huge stadium. Howard and Hampton are playing here, right? Now, there's been a huge interest as of lately of HBCUs. Now everybody seems to be paying attention. But for those of us that were going, we already knew the quality of it, the richness of it and everything. What was something that you noticed when you got to the HBCU as far as a sport or as a student that you noticed that you picked up right away? My dream in life was to go to Howard. I didn't go to Howard initially for one reason. It's also a premise that you can't survive at that school if you're from Southeast. See, I'm a Mississippi Avenue girl. I came here and I went to Hart Junior High. So I succumbed to the premise that you're just never gonna be smart enough to be it out. And my sister, Rita told me, she said, you don't know nothing about being at a historically black school. You had a black school in Southeast, but it's different when you get around educated blacks. 
I never inquired as to exactly what all that meant, but she was absolutely right. But fortunate for me, because I'm such a positive person, I took the top off that. Okay. I said, you are so right about that. If we can't get the smartest and the brightest to take us to where we need to go, we're never going to get there by all of the cold. So I wanted those y'all people to know that you are here because you're the best at what you do. Not what she does. What you do. And that's what we want. I took a young lady, Rosalind Green, and I said, Ros, she's on the bench. She's like my eighth player. My starter is out. I said, Roz, I need to play you today, and I need 16 points. And she looked at me. She said, 16 points? I said, let me tell you how I need to get it. She said, okay, I need two baskets in the first quarter, two baskets in the second quarter, two baskets in the third quarter, and I need two baskets in the fourth. Now, you always bragging about what you can do. Can you give me two baskets? A fourth? You just need four points, Coach. Four in the first, four in the She said, I can do that. During the game, she played hard. Coming down the stretch of the game, she runs by the bench, turns around and says, are we close yet, Coach? Am I close to 16 yet? I said, one more basket. She gets the steal, runs the length of the court, makes it, runs by, and she said, I did it. We get to the locker room, they say, Rob, you scored 30 points. I lost track. <laughs> you can get what you can get from everybody if they're willing to give it. I found a way to open that can and let it pour out. Oh, you ain't just find a way. You had some success when you got there. You being a little humble, Coach, but when did it start kicking in for you when the wheels start working when you were coaching? It started working in 1982. Okay. And the reason, it had, I'd been there two years, but now i got a senior class that ain't mine. Remember now, it, a senior class is yours, came in as freshman. And we're playing Norfolk State, I'll never forget. We're playing Norfolk, and Norfolk's got these big girls. You know, that's when we started to appreciate the lack of heights since we had so little of it, and we were a big team. But the girl that played center for Norfolk played against my center in high school. Mm -hmm. And oh, Lisa was telling me, yeah, you know, you know, we always struggled, they always cheated. So I did something I never did. I told our team that I, I just happened to hear Norfolk's players talking about us, talking about what we can't do and, you know, not, the game would be over quick. I told them then, we could not have people run around just saying anything out their mouth. Mm. I said, Lisa, and Gary said, we're going to win because you have never been a win. Big girl turned on Big Lisa went in there. She made it happen. So we beat them for the NBAC championship. And that was the first year of the NCAA playoffs. And we took that team to Carson, California. And they, I kept telling them that the winner was going to some isolated cold play. Okay. And then when they announced at the tournament that the winner of this division was going to be in the West Regional and Long Beach State, they said, God, I'm Oh, he was on it. It was on it. We went to California. We had a great time. You know, we, we weren't as good as Long Beach State. They had the player of the year, the Wade Trophy winner. But once people taste success, get that thing tang in their mm -hmm. mouth. I had two years of people who had their tang. 
and they wasn't going to let that chain go. So you either get the chain or you got to go. So if each one teach one, my job is just to bring them all together. You know, I, I have one, one personal slogan for myself. My job is to get, make sure I get them to the game on time. Because if what we work on and what we agree on in those practices doesn't do it, then they were better than us. But there's few people going to be better than us, trust me. Because you brought Howard their first meet championship? Um, I, I think it was the first in the AC championship. Okay. Um, but that's a long time ago. But we brought them in between regular season and tournament play. We had 14 of them. Woo! 14. What's it like to sit on that many accomplishments? Just as a coach, from a coach perspective, with all the players that you had over the years, like when you see that, what, what comes to your head? Like I tell you what comes to me about me is that I wouldn't settle for less. I set the goals high, my expectations were high, and I trained them high. Um, if we didn't make it, we didn't make it. That's the game. But what I had to convince them of early on, we lost games because we were better than the other team, but we lost, and, and, and I couldn't accept it. Mm. I realized what the problem was. We didn't look like them. No, it wasn't that they were white and we were black. We didn't look like they was players. Our shoes weren't as good as they had. Our uniforms weren't. Our warm-ups weren't. You know, we didn't have shooting shirts. We didn't even have a locker room. And you go to Tennessee, and I played. I set up. I played North Carolina State, North Carolina, Maryland, Minnesota, Kansas, Rutgers, Iowa. I played the big dogs because I wanted them to see that's what the big dogs look like. Yeah. I had two ponies in my office, plastic horses. One was a Clydesdale and one was a pony. Every day I go and ride the Clydesdale. <laughs> I said, I need some of them horses. They still horses, but they big horses. Mm. And I needed to recruit one top talent. Because John told me, Coach, you get one and the rest will follow. When he got Patrick Hill and he legitimized Georgetown forever. Mm. Because he didn't have to go and recruit the rest. A couple of me had to go get, but he didn't have to recruit the rest. And when I was able to get Alicia Hill out of West Virginia, he changed our program. I, I recruited kids that ended up going to Iowa, going to Tennessee. I even tried to recruit Cheryl Miller. I know she wasn't going to come on with She tried anyway. You know what I'm saying? I know you ain't going but the one school, but you, you got to have four on the list. I was, I was up in there one time. <laughs> See, what I couldn't legitimately acquire, did I just... Acquisition <laughs> through speech. Well, yeah, we're out there recruiting Cheryl Miller. We know it's tough. She's going to go to USC or one of the California schools, but a historically black school is certainly in her thoughts. I'm going to tell you, that reverberates around the nation. <laughs> All of a sudden, people start seeing us for more than being black. Mm. And what legitimized us completely was me writing every day. I wrote a letter every day to night. Said, we are women. We can't get the kind of support some of these ACC, you know, Big 10 schools again. I knew why they was getting it, but I wanted to let them know. I didn't see no difference between us and them. And after I kept, I kept writing, they finally called and said, what is it that you want? Because when you play these big schools, then they, and you, you go in there with a professional demeanor, your players are professional, then they're supporters of you. So when C.W. Stringer, who was at Iowa, invited us out to play Iowa, so she didn't beat us up too bad, I sent her a big, Cooler full of steam grass, mm -hmm. some mallets. Oh, Lord. And I had them thrown out there. They picked them up in the airport. She said, Go. I said, Coach, there's the old proverb that says, You are not to bite the hand of features. <laughs> well, that beat us anyway. 
but they treated us so well. And she started talking to those people that night. And before long, we had a full-blown Nike contact. We looked like Maryland. We looked like Minnesota. And for one year, we lived the incredible dream. We beat Minnesota, North Carolina State, and Maryland back to back. Ooh. Did you feel the support of the university through that? Those are major wins. Not, not in my eyes. Okay. I didn't know if it was their inexperience at playing at this level. They would always tell me, well, coach, we want you to be like Georgetown, like Maryland. I said, I'm prepared to do that. Are you willing to support us like they support them? Mm. That's when the bad credit starts. You know, and the, then there's always this discomfort where, you know, you want to be bigger than the program. But they never have heard me talk about Sonia Tyler. You don't even hear me say my name that often. Mm. I'm only as good as the talent I bring to the party. The chefs are only as good as the food they bring to the table. <laughs> so I'm not about trying to drive this nail into this wall that I'm some kind of goat, as everybody's saying. I know what I am. Mm-hmm. My job is to make them young people know who they were. And in that way, establish Howard as being a premier women's basketball program. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, now that I'm talking to you and knowing this is your, a tap into your history, that confidence that you said that you had and how you earned it, I can see now how you had audacity and courage to file the Title IX now. But I saw in the speech that you said that you wasn't even familiar what Title IX was at the time. Well, because that was not my goal. My mm-hmm. goal was never to be in conflict with my institution. Uh, I remember there was a uh, information released to the Washington Post saying how much I dislike Howard, how much I hated out. How the hell do you hate Howard and you are out? Mm. You know, it's like you're fighting with your brother on in the house and you go outside and somebody chase him up on the porch. <laughs> You gonna do what? You ain't gonna run in the house and let him take that whipping. You said, no. come up on this porch, you're gonna have an issue. And that and that's it's like being black. How do you run away from being black? Mm-hmm. You're black. You're black in the morning, black in the evening, black in supper time. You don't ever get to not be black. And if anybody can not be black, I'm the one. <laughs> you see? So I'm I resented that. And when they hired the men's basketball coach, and we had just won another championship, if I'm not mistaken, back to back, I just wanted a raise for me and my staff. They told me they would give me a raise, but they weren't going to get nothing to my staff, that I should take my bonus and get split it up and do this. And from my understanding, your awareness came when you started to realize that the person they hired not only didn't have no experience, but was asking you all the questions. Well, that's what happens. You know, the incumbent, Always gets the answer to the top <laughs> But I was floored when the men's coach said, I don't like these players. I'm going to waver. You know what? Waver. His last job was in the NBA as a player. So I realized, I was waving them on the nine, getting out of there. This is college. You don't wave players. And if you ever want to get another player, you better treat the ones you have like you got a thimble full of sense. Mm. Because the audience starts with those people leaving. And every time it was something, you know, well, Coach, how did you do this? Uh, it, I can tell you this. They weren't really supporting me. 
and they wasn't doing a bang up job with supporting their me. And it didn't take long. You know, you blow that spoke. Yeah. On that first dance, you could appear to be a great dancer, but let them change the music. It's different. You might be out of step. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what was that like for you to file that lawsuit at a university that you love while you're still working? I mean, was that a strain during that time? Oh my God. It wasn't a strain, it was stress. Um, my mother told me frustration is a disease of white people because they can afford it. You can't afford to be stressed like that. I was sad. I was hurt. Um, even trying to pick a lawyer, you know, I, certain lawyers, I, I just didn't want to represent me just because I didn't want to represent me. Mm. So it took me a while to find an African-American uh, a lawyer. Because you, you that's what you wanted. Who happened to be a outgrade. <laughs> and, and that scared me because I said, well, is he, how loyal is he? But the real, realism is that we both were very loyal now. I think that the regret I had about filing the lawsuit, it wasn't just one. Actually, I filed three and won all three. I regret most that Howard, with all of this pungent attitudes and righteousness, did not have a good cut name. Man. So when the, they started hemorrhaging from this Title IX, that they didn't come in with an inswell and close the room. Why didn't they ever call me and say, look, we want to be here. Where could we join in? They never did that. Never met with me. I was only told I would be the show. And I had to remind them, I said, you can capture all you did for me because you might slip into it yourself. And for the first time in my life as an adult, I was mad that they just weren't fair. They just weren't fair. We're winning. Nobody else is winning. And you treat us like this? But then I realized it wasn't just when it's basketball. You know, the piece that pushed the lawsuit to the court was when I was told by then BP, we're paying the men's coach because he hasn't failed. Because he's had a family. He has a family. Okay. And he played five, ten years in the NBA. It's about playing in the NBA. You show me another woman playing in the NBA and I'll cheat that girl. That's when I knew I wasn't dealing with mm. people who even cared about how. Mm. Now, just, I'm just going to say, read this because just so the audience can know, Title IX is prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex and education programs and activities. There's often... That receives federal funds. That receives federal funds. Now, there's awful... There's, us as black, we... When you think about discrimination, automatically I'm thinking white versus black. Was that tough to feel like you had to do that against someone who looked... Those that quote-unquote look like you. It's a black university... You're a black woman. These are black people, but yet you're being discriminated against. Was that a tough call to make? It was painful. It wasn't just tough. It was painful because it rips right at my core values. I'm out here selling Howard University at the prime rib. And I've got to put all of that frustration and anxiety that's, in, that's venomous towards me away to keep this program on the front burner. Mm. That was that was incredibly tough. And I isolated myself. I've never discussed it with my teens. I never allowed them to step out and defend me. Um, I told them this is my business and I will handle my business. Your business is about being a Howard student, about being a good student, and by being committed to this program. And if you're unable to do that, I understand, but you cannot stay Mm. I couldn't fight all those battles. I could only fight them. And I resented every day that I had to get in. I resented every day that I had to get in. 
But although you might have resented it, even when you were awarded in the lawsuit, you did something that I'd never seen, at least to my knowledge. You stayed. Most people don't stay. You stayed for like another five to six years, Coach. My, my attorney said, so Coach, uh, you need to leave there. I said, I've done nothing that even resembles my ability to have to leave. I said, if I leave now, then they'll say she was just in this for the money. Mm. She was never about the money. But when you have people that have no balance making decisions, then it becomes painful where it hurts the most. I remember when I won that lawsuit. That lawsuit singly changed the salary structure for women's coaches across America. And how did I know that? See, baby, extremely talk called me. Coach, my salary has changed. Stamper's coach, Coach Town, my salary has changed. These salaries started creeping up. Why? Because those athletic directors, those VPs, those institutions didn't want to see themselves. That worry spread. That light. Mm. And I resented that we had to be the light. But then I realized one thing. I was always better leader. Maybe we'll change it for America. So I had to always shift that podium to, we can do this. We can be smart about it. I never got into a pissing contest. I never ran around to the press. I never did the, I never secretly shipped things. I didn't need to do that. It wasn't about public opinion. It's about why we can't do this right here and now. Why, why us? Yeah. It's about holding them accountable. Ted Kennedy told me while I was at an affair at the White House, he said, you don't know girl took the whole appropriation. <laughs> I didn't know we was getting money to fight those. Mm. You know, I spoke here at Audi Field uh, July 12th. I was invited by the um, Orange Bowl uh, Committee that put on a series of events for college students. So this was the ACC. Uh, it was the Truth Tour, and they had a, a, a big um, gathering about oh, a couple hundred ACC athletes, and they came up. The young man said, "Would you, you sued Howard? What is your relationship with them there?" I said, "My relationship with my institution has always been good." Okay. But the athletic director said, "You can ask," <laughs> and he made a statement that, "Hey, Coach Dow has always been welcome. We've honored, you know, kind of a deal." I'm currently helping to chair a group of female athletes because this is the 50th anniversary of women's basketball and we are going to do conduct a fundraising to see if we can give a contribution to the institution. So the climate when you stayed was pretty cool, hands no, off, but it wasn't? No. Okay. No, I can't say that. Okay. okay. I can't say that. What I can say is that I went back, I did my job. But it wasn't whether they were going to come after me. It was only when. It took them five years to do it. Okay. Okay. So, so I survived very well. But I left there the way I went there. My daughter had just gone to college when they terminated me. And I told her this. She was so upset. She wanted to leave school, come back home. She said, I can come and work and help mom. I said, no, I cannot have you fighting this battle. I said, but if you do this for me. I can handle this if you will handle What I love about your story is that you show that there are chapters in our lives because after that, you had a whole other second run 
working at the Children's Hospital Radiology. Managing the radiology department's diagnostic team. I, I just left there retired in July. We were up to 44 tests. I'm well respected at that institution. The president of the institution came to my retirement for oh, the Oh, coach, please, please allow me to uh, read this uh, credential of, you know, you only was there and you were there for 19 years, but you built the diagnostic imaging team of 39 technologists for 19 years? Oh, yeah. And, and we do the real x-ray. We're not the specialty. We go in the emergency room, and we went through COVID. We went through COVID, which was so traumatic. I'm so proud of those those Texas children's. I love those, and they know I love them, and they love me. You know, it wasn't always easy. We didn't always agree, but we had respect for each other in the job. We had a common goal. That's the same common goal I had. And how? You know, the president called me and children, coach. Coach, come here for a minute. Come here and get you. That was going to be my answer. Did they call you coach there too? Dr. Noma did. <laughs> None of the techs did. Okay. Um, but, you know, some of my prayers, at least uh, uh, 10 or 11, I'm on x-ray techs. So I have a brand of technologists outside of that. I, I, I'm just me. I'm just a good version of you. I was there just the other day because a mentee of mine, he hurt his wrist at the Children's Hospital. I had no idea how much groundwork, and he had to get x-ray, how much groundwork you put into that institution, just like I am a Howard alum, how much groundwork you put into that institution. Well, it was just my new team. That's what Dr. Miller told me. He told Dr. Frederick that. He said, she left your team for my team. That's absolutely what you did. And we're doing well. And, and, and I'm very proud of the work that I did. I'm proud of me. And my family is proud of me. And I think that's where a lot of it started. Being the youngest, I thought I always had to prove I knew something. I was good at something. They were very good at everything. But I know now, and I see now, they'll call, hey, what do you think about it? What should I do about it? And that makes me feel really good. <laughs> My brother called. He, he's not feeling that well. We talked, and I said, well, bro, why don't you try this? Or do he said, sis, okay, I'm going to go out and do that right now. You know, I, I became somebody. And, 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 and I shared that with my daughter. I, she's a very good part of me. People, a young man stopped me out for He said, your daughter is just absolutely the greatest person. That's a great compliment. I did my job at Howard. Uh, I don't regret the steps I had to take. I think they're very unfortunate. Um, but it hasn't changed what I feel about the institution. As an institution, as I wear this age proud. I, every time I've been to this game twice, and I've always had it Howard. You, you got it on now. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of where we're going. They're under new leadership. They're doing new things. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking to Coach Grace, Todd Grace, the basketball coach. Uh, you know, I, I try to mentor where I can. Um, but I have no regrets. How did it feel to get in the Hall of Fame? I'm not just a Hall of Fame. I'm in three Hall of Fame. There you go. And the one Hall of Fame uh, was at the, for coaching as the head coach of Howard. I'm in the Howard Hall of Fame. I was inducted to the MEAC Hall of Fame. That was really special. Um, but I think the Hall of Fame that I'm, I'm extremely equally as proud of is the DC Hall of Fame. Okay. And I was inducted with a very prestigious group of professions. And sitting right next to me, to my right, was Dr. Anthony Fauci. 
the the okay. guru of the COVID. The guru. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he and I. The man that had me locked in every day. Every day. Every <laughs> hour, talking to you, Chris. Told window. me go left or right, you know. <laughs> we were inducted into the D.C. Hall of Fame uh, at the same time. Okay. And that made that very precious. In fact, once he read the book and saw that I was a fairly good golfer, he said, what? Oh, we talked a lot about golf while we sat at the table. Um, I've got a lot of good things that I've done, a lot of good things I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to fire off a new podcast. Okay. Um, and so I, I'm just so excited to be relevant at this time. When you think of women's basketball right now, when you see it, what's the most thing that you're proud of? Oh, I, the, the athletes are so good. Uh, the coaches are are so good and all that. They have full compliments of staff helping them. I still mop the gym floor, sweep the dust off. Here comes, I did all of that. They don't have to do none of that. But that's okay. That's just a period of time. But the game has grown, and the game is here for life. Mm. And I'm an avid fan. I think the one thing that I feel I've accomplished, I've become a rabid fan of sports. I'm, I watch, I'm, I'm recording Deion Sanders tonight. Okay. I'm Rod Buffalo. Okay. You know, I did watch the Mystics last night. Let's flip them between the Mystics and watching the, the uh, Capitals play hockey. So I'm just a, I'm a rabbit fan. I can't get around enough. What's something more that you'd like to see when it comes to women's sports? I'd like to see us really put the time in to see that many of them get back into sports. And you see the growth of it, even in ESPN with, with the uh, women's league, the WNBA, the broadcaster. It's not unusual to turn on the TV, and there are three black women or blacks doing the commentary. So I'd like to see us to continue to push, push forward. There's some bright, bright minds out here, and many of them will come from HBC. Oh, oh, absolutely. 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 Now, I I got two more, but the second one I just want to ask you to kind of, if you elaborate more about your podcast coming up, because you just slid that in. And, you know, with somebody like you, I'm interested in seeing what this next stage of life is about to be. So if you're talking about this podcast, can you elaborate more on it? Well, I'm about to become a part of Mino Lions crew. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to have a podcast. It's going to be called Tyler's Crossing. Uh, we're going to be taking those things that uh, happen in sports, those meetings where you get so excited because your coach gave you a pep talk and, and things we tell you about living in the dorm and, and being around other women. And then you're being professional and smart about what you do. And how it transcends into the workplace. How the real world captivates the same philosophy. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use some analogies. I'm going to use some guests uh, to show you where these crossings are safe. They're safe. So Tyler's crossing is going. Cross with us. So you, you, you're with the family now. I'm with the family. we family now. We're in the house. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate All that. Right. Now, Coach, uh, how you, you mentioned it earlier, and I, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the transition to what Dion has done when he was with HBCU and now when he's on the Colorado? Well, Dion had had such an advantage. His advantage was he was a very popular, high profile with revenue and resources. Uh, he went to Jackson State, who needed all of those. And just his flamboyancy, can you imagine if he came to the house and told your mama, oh, he's going to get looked at by the NFL. It's I a wrap. can't guarantee it's a wrap. he'll get there, but I'm going to get him looked at. Well, now you're 50% down the road. Mm -hmm. So I think what Dion did at Jackson State was wonderful. There's a lot of uh, controversy about how he left. The guy was going to leave. Now, let's be honest about 
he was going to leave. He's never expressed anything other than climbing to the top. You know, so he did it for Jackson State. The program's going to be good and solid for a while. He's now a Colorado. You see, he's doing it there. And what is he doing it with? Yeah, I think they had a good conversation yesterday on ESPN about the depth of the squad, how solid they'll be, and how to avoid these injuries. But I think that's the positive of Evans' scope, that we can avoid all those things. If Tyler could have avoided the things they say he needed to avoid, women, injury, he'd still be playing. I think he's going to have his day. I see Dion in the NFL mm. within two to three. Okay. And the only reason why I was going to take that now, he got to get up in the babies thing school. His daughter's on the basketball team. He got two boys on the football team. One got to be coming off there soon. Oh, Dion was going to get to the top. So you're predicting he's going to skip the whole Florida State coaching opportunity if that was to come up all together and go straight to the NFL. If, if, if he goes to Florida State, he's still going to the NFL. Got you. You see, because the NFL's the top. Mm. Final question, Coach. We are here at the start of the Howard and Hampton game, football game, get ready kickoff. Who do you predict is going to win? <laughs> well, my honest feeling is Howard's going to win this ball. That's the, that's the passion. That's the passion. Okay. And I live with passion. Okay. Because I, I won't be able to excuse myself. <laughs> We're we going to stop right here. And, and let me say this. The first job offered to me when I left Howard was from there. Really? They flew me down there, rolled up and yacht to the dock. And I said... I told the, the president, I said, no need us getting on this ship if the money ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we're well, Jordan Mill, because and we can't pay you what you want. Okay. I said, I appreciate your honesty. He I'm was the first that. person from college to contact me when I left out. I'm not mad at that. Me. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad about your passion, because my passion is speaking about that how we're going to win this game. And if something else go left, then that don't matter. We still was right. Yeah. That's how I look at it. And we still was right. And we're going to leave you a winner. <laughs> Hall of Fame, legend, what would you like to be remembered for? I'd like to be remembered as a person who saw the best in folks, who had to make some tough decisions, made them with no regret. Sonia, Coach Tyler, this has been a privilege and an honor. Thank you very much for elevating me. Like, hands down, elevating me, educating me, because I love the fact of what you did and what the blueprint that you have set for everyone to acknowledge and go back and read and be educated about it. So from a personal standpoint, let me just tell you, thank you for all of your contributions. Because regardless if you may see it or not, I would not have been there if you not have laid that. Because I'm a believer that all of that plays a part. So let me just say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the work that you put in on that. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. This has been an excellent episode of the history of being black. And yeah, Howard is going to win. And that's how we feel. H-U. H-U. You know? <laughs> that's how we feel. Um, as usual, you can catch all of our podcasts on everywhere where you can catch podcasts. You can catch me at J Hard Society. Coach, is there a way that we can follow what you're doing, your contributions besides the show? You got anything else that you want to lay out? Uh, right now, you can go through me, no lying. I'm, 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 I'm working with the big dog. It's nothing wrong with over, over, over promotion. That's right. Yeah. We appreciate you as usual. You be successful and be blessed. Follow me at J Hall Society, and we'll talk to you soon. The History of Being Black is hosted by Jay Hall. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Find the History of Being Black podcast on IG at the History of Being Black. Follow the Mean O'Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O'Line Media. Get the Mean O'Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The History of Being Black podcast is a Mean O'Line Media production. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 